0: We've seen throughout the last four Mishnayas many, many conditions which need to be met in order for somebody to turn into a Bensur or Mayre, a son who rebels against his parents and against the Torah and who is killed. And this Mishnah is bothered by a question. It's true that the son is misbehaving a lot and is eating meat and drinking wine in an inappropriate fashion, but the death penalty? He hasn't really done any totally severe vera, which warrants a death penalty as the punishment. He stole from his parents. It was not a death penalty. So why is it that Mansurah is killed? Says the Mishnah, Mansurah is judged to be killed because of what he would end up being. Somebody who is misbehaving in this way at the age of 13. Right now he's stealing from his parents. What will happen once his parents don't have any money left because he's stolen all of it? He'll carry on stealing from other people and he'll end up murdering other people in order to get their money. And we're concerned that he'll violate very severe averis in the future, and because of that, the Torah says that the ben Surmo should be killed, so that he dies an innocent man, and he does not die once he's already actually committed those averis. He's to shoot him. Because death to wicked people, when they die, that's considered to be a benefit for them. And that they don't continue doing Averis, for which they'll be punished in Olam Habar. But it's also a benefit from, for the world, because the Rosh will no longer be causing trouble to other people. But but when Tzadikim die, that's bad for them. They're no longer able to fulfil more mitzvahs, for which they'll be rewarded in Olam Habar and it's also bad for the world, because as long as they're alive, their merit can save the world from certain punishments. Now, while we're on the topic, the Mishnah says, wine and sleep for Rishotim, Hanolahen is a benefit for them, in that they are sleeping instead of doing Aviris. But and it's also a benefit for the rest of the world, that so they're not causing trouble for other people, but for righteous people, wine and sleeping, is bad for them. Because they are not doing mitzvahs at that time, and it's bad for everybody else. Because again, at that time, not, they're not learning Torah and doing mitzvahs to protect everybody else. Pizrilo shot him being spread out for wicked people. An individual Rosha being here, another Rosha being here. Hanolohen, that's a benefit for them, because once again, they won't be able to do any severe virus together. Only by themselves, this was a benefit for the world. Because as long as they're not together, they can cause less harm. But for righteous people, it's bad for them when they are learning only by themselves. But it's bad for the rest of the world. It's far greater for the tzaddikim to be together as a group. Like the Mishnah says, When Sha'im get together... And are united. Ralohen, it's bad for them. That they'll be doing averus together. Perhaps even encouraging other people, each other to do for and it's bad for the rest of the world. Because now, these group of Rishoim can cause much more harm. Tzadikim, and for and and It's considered to be a benefit for them, and a benefit for the world. For them to be together. And finally, Shekedlar Rishoim. Quiet and calmness for a shot him is it's bad for them and bad for the world because they have the peace of mind and the time to do what they want which is and causing harm to other people whereas for Tzadikim it's a benefit for them and for the world when they have that calmness in order to pursue Torah and mitzvahs Mr. on a similar note another area in the Torah where we find somebody being liable to something even before he has actually committed the avira, is the parish of Boba Makhteres. The Torah talks about somebody who digs a tunnel in order to get into somebody's house and steal from them. And the Torah says about such a person that Ein literally he has no blood, he has no life, which means that somebody is allowed to kill him. The reason being that he is coming to steal from somebody, and he knows that if the other person, if the owner of the house, sees him, then the assumption is that the thief will be prepared to kill him. The owner of the house will probably try to protect his money, and the thief knows that, so it's assumed that he's coming, and he's even prepared to kill the owner of the house. And because of that, the Torah says that you are allowed to kill him. <laughs> That's how the Gomorrah puts it. Somebody who's coming to kill you, you should get there first and kill him. Which means that the thief is essentially liable to be killed. And the owner of the house is allowed to kill him. And it's not considered to be murder at all. Now this is another example of Havala Mechteres, when he's coming in a tunnel on the way to stealing. He's judged and given this status of somebody who's deserving death based on his end, what he has not yet done. Continues the mission. machteres. if he was coming in the tunnel, he was on the way to stealing the Shovar Essechhovis and he broke one of the barrels or the jugs of the owner of the house. Now, in a regular case of Bobo uh, since he is liable to the death penalty for what he is doing, he will not be liable to pay anything. Because there is a very basic rule, which comes up many times throughout Shas, of Kim Leber jabamine. If somebody is doing something for which there are two different punishments, two different potential punishments, one to pay money, one to be killed, you'll only receive the more severe punishment of being killed. And so you're exempted for paying anything. And the same would go in this case. However, the Mishnah says there's an exception. If we're talking about somebody who does have blood, somebody who's digging a tunnel but is not considered liable to the death penalty to be, to be killed, when would that be? The answer is if it's a case where we know as a fact that the thief definitely will not kill the person who's protecting his money. For example, if the thief is the owner of the house's father, he's definitely not going to come to kill his son. And therefore we know that he's only coming to steal from his son. In such a case, the son is not allowed to kill the father, because the father is not a threat to his life. So in that case, Chayev, the father, would be liable to pay for the jug, because he's not liable to be killed. However, if he does not have blood, he is deserving of being killed, then the rule of Kimber Rabne would apply, and Potter would be exempt for paying for the damage done to the barrel. On a similar note, the the following people, when they are doing a particular Avera, another person seeing them about to do this Avera can kill that person in order to save him from doing the Aveira. Again, we see a similar idea where the person has not yet done the Avira, and yet he is still killed. Anybody who sees him about to do this Avira can and should kill him. if who is running after somebody else in order to kill him, if let's say Ruven is running after Shimon in order to kill Shimon, anybody, anybody who sees him doing that should kill Reuven. Ruven is a Reideif. He's running after somebody else in order to kill him. A chur if Ruven is running, he's trying to, and he's about to do an Avira... Of having relations with another man, or having relations with an ara a girl who is twelve to twelve and a half years old, who has received kedushin. And although this law is learnt from the Posuk talking about a Nara the same law would apply to anybody who is on the way to doing an Aveira involving forbidden relations. In these cases, since there's somebody else involved, Reuven is chasing after Shimon to do an Aveira with him, for example. In these cases, Reuven should be killed. But somebody who's running after an animal to have relations with the animal, or somebody who is about to transgress Shabbos. Or somebody who is on the way to serving Avedazara idolatry. These things don't involve another person. Nobody else is going to be harmed, only this person himself. And therefore, the regular law applies that he needs to be killed by Bastin and only if he was warned first. By witnesses, don't do this. Your punishment will be to be killed. That is the regular procedure which is required in order to kill somebody. So in these cases, not just anybody can save them from that avira by killing them. That's Basin's job and can only be done if the regular procedure of Hasra, of warning them not to do that Avera first, only then would they be killed by Basin. So we've completed the discussion of the 18 Averas for which one would be punished by the death penalty of Skila, being thrown off a building and stoned, and this Mishnah introduces Vailin and Israfin. the following people receive the death penalty of Sreifa, the next most severe level of death penalty, being burnt. And there are ten different Averas for which one can receive Sreifa for. And the Mishnah splits them into two categories. First, the abal ishal one has relations with a woman and her daughter. The Torah says explicitly that the punishment is being burnt and the daughter of a who commits adultery. In general, if a woman who is married to somebody has relations with another man, both the man and woman are punished by chenek, strangulation. However, the Torah says that a Baskoyen who commits adultery, although the man who's involved in that era, he still receives chenek, strangulation, nevertheless the woman, the Bas she would receive the more severe punishment of Srefa being burnt. So that seems to be just two averas, But the Mishnah says Yech, yish, isha included in the category of having relations with a woman and her daughter, are actually nine different Averas. So that means nine plus one is ten altogether. There are ten aviras for which one can receive the punishment of Srefa. What are those nine? Bitoy Uvas Bitoy Having relations with one's daughter or one's daughter's daughter or one's son's daughter. That would be within this category. And even if it's his daughter, not as a result of a marriage. Let's say he had relations outside of marriage with a particular woman, and she gave birth to a daughter. That would also be forbidden to have relations with her. One's wife's daughter. And even if it's not one's wife's daughter, but it's a woman who he had relations with's daughter, who is not his daughter. And his wife's daughter's daughter, or his wife's son's daughter, as well as that, his mother-in-law... That would also come to this category of having relations with a mother and her daughter. The Eim or his mother-in-law's mother. The Eim Chamev, or his father-in-law's mother. That's nine in total, plus the case of the Baskayen, who has adultery. So altogether, that is ten various for which one can receive the death penalty of Sreifah. The Eilin and Eiragim, the following people, are killed by Hereg, which is the next most severe death penalty. Hereg being beheaded... Or a murderer of Antirani and residents of a city whose majority serves Avedizara, the punishment is that they all are killed, and they're killed with the sword. And now the Mishnah goes into some details regarding the prohibition of murdering, and this is really the focus of the next few Mishnahes. Yitzayach, a murderer who hit his friend, Borevenu Babarzel, with a stone or with a piece of iron as long as the stone or iron which he is using is something which can definitely kill the other person with iron, it's almost always like that but with a piece of stone, it has to be a a stone which we can expect the person to be killed with this or if somebody pushes another person into water or into fire and that person is not able to get out of there the mace, and he ends up dying, he drowns, or he gets burnt in the fire, you would be liable. And the truth is, this does not necessarily refer to somebody who pushes him into the fire or into the water. The Chobash means that he doesn't allow him to get back out. It could be that the person is already in the water. If somebody comes and pushes him in, in order to stop him getting out of the water, he would also be liable in that case. Now, chobash, if he pushed him into the water, even if he pushed him, or into the fire, However, here the the person is able to get out of there. In that case, even though I pushed him in, the if the person dies there, potor, the one who pushed him in will be exempt, since although it's true that he caused his death, he's not liable, since the other person could have saved himself. Shesubay Kelev, if somebody tries to direct and to agitate a dog and direct it in order to kill another person. Or shesubay Nohosh, he did the same thing with a snake and the snake indeed went and killed the person. Potter, the one who caused this, is exempt. Now, certainly he's considered to be a murderer, and he'll be punished severely for it. However, in terms of the bastin giving him a death penalty, that they can only do if he himself does an act of murder. Over here, it's considered indirect, and therefore he would not be killed by bastin for such a murder. if he used the snake to make it bite somebody, he literally took the snake with its fangs and stuck them into somebody else. Ibjud Mchaev says you're Chayev, you're liable to the death penalty because you killed him directly. You use the snake as a tool to kill him. Even before the snake puts its fangs into the other person's body, it already has venom ready there, so you essentially stuck the venom into the other person's body. However, the exempt this person because the venom usually comes only once the fangs are stuck into the person's body, and therefore it's considered to be indirect, because it was the next stage. It's not included in that person's act that the venom is going into the person's body. Alright, continues Meshna Meishnah Makas one who hits his friend, he hits another person, either with a stone, or with his fist. And the Beistin evaluated the, person, the, the, the victim, and they evaluated that he's going to die as a result of this blow. What the basin does in this situation is that until the person actually does die, they would put the person who gave him this severe injury in prison in order to wait to see whether the person will actually die, in which case the murderer will be liable to the death penalty. But in our case, the Hekel Mashahoya, the person who was hit, his condition improved after they evaluated that he should die, and improved to a, to, to a point where the basin actually said that he's going to live. But then, after that, the person's condition deteriorated again, and then he actually died. According to Tanakhama Chayev, the person who hit him is liable. It is assumed that he died, of course, as a result of, as a direct result of when he was hit. Rabbi Chemia says that he is exempt, because there is support to the assumption that it wasn't necessarily the injury which directly caused his death, because in the middle he got better and only then his condition got worse. So it's not necessarily provable that it was direct, it was a direct result of the injury that he died.